All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Why are gas prices so high? Everybody has their idea on why it is. In fact, we're going to be going over some people that are positive. They know the answer like Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, but we're going to get down into the details. We're going to get down into the facts of what causes gas prices to go up. What can we really do about it? And what are some of the things that got us to the situation that we're in today? So if you're interested on who really makes money off of gas, how much do they make, uh, what sort of policies you know directly influence the overall fuel market, and how this affects you on a day-to-day -day basis, that's what we're going to be discussing today, as well as the arguments that you're going to need in order to share those fun facts with your friends. All that and more coming up on this episode of Making the Argument, where we make the arguments to defend a free society. Thank you for joining us, and we are back in the studio today with another great episode, and I hope you walk away, like Nick said, with some arguments of your own. You can use in daily conversation. If you do, be sure to hit that like button on YouTube, leave us a comment, and leave us a reply, uh, a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And once again, I just want to say thank you to everyone because we're seeing we're seeing you know increased numbers in yes. our podcasts and our YouTube mm -hmm. views, and that's because of you guys liking and sharing. It makes a difference. So thank you very much. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Freitas, member of the Virginia House of Delegates, but other than that, a good person. Unfortunately, my wife, Tina, Queen of the Bees, could not be here today. So you're just stuck with the guys. But we have our historian and political prognosticator, Christian. I'm here. <laughs> Christian's here. He's here. And then, of course, our producer of producers, the good Hamilton, the one that doesn't like central banking, That's Nick Hamilton. As always, correct. So, Nick, this conversation about gas prices. Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of opinions. Yep. And one of our favorite people, oh, Elizabeth yeah. Warren, has had some things to say about this. What has she had to say, Nick? She's had a lot. In fact, let's go to there, there's this article. And, and anybody that's been paying attention to Elizabeth Warren on Twitter, on you know any of the news hits that she does, uh, she says, Elizabeth Warren blames high gas prices on corporate greed. She's also blamed price gouging, right? And this has been pretty common. It's not just from Elizabeth Warren, but she's one of the most prominent. And we're, we're, going, to, we're going to analyze this, okay. right? Because I think when a lot of people look at this, they, they feel like it makes sense. In fact, I was recently on a trip. We had, we had to go to a trip for work, flew in, got my Uber, and as we're driving, the Uber driver is talking about, you know, how much less he's making now because of what he's got to pay in gas prices. Yeah. And he says, you know, I really don't know why that is. He goes, actually, I do know it's greed. And I looked at him and I said, do you think the oil companies are more greedy today than they were like two years ago? And he goes, well, no. I'm like, I mean, I, I think some other things might explain this. Good question. And, and we, had, we had a good conversation about that. But the thing I want to hit on, this, this first little point. And, and Thomas Sold does a great job talking about this. It is very convenient for politicians to talk about any other greed except their own. Yeah. Right? So corporate greed explains anything they want. And 
we, we can always find a, a villain within business to point out and say, well, that was a greedy person. The bottom line is, is greed alone doesn't make, doesn't fluctuate any price. Mm -hmm. Greed alone doesn't fluctuate any policy. It requires action. You have to act on the greed. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at who is actually making money off of this. So let's go to our, let's go to our article here. I thought this was interesting. And for those that uh, this comes from, what is it? NACLS is uh, convenience.org. And uh, they go like, who makes money selling gas? And this is interesting. This is an article actually from uh, 2021, November 2021. It said, most people think convenience stores and gas stations make a lot of money selling gas and even more money when prices rise. In fact, a stunning 45% of drivers, this, this blew my mind, 45% of drivers think that retailers make at least $2 a gallon in profit, right? That's $2 per gallon in profit. That's what 45% of drivers, so that's, I mean, reasonably 45% of the voting public mm -hmm. thinks one of these retailers are making. He goes, well, that's not the case. Uh, if you look at it, right, go through here, the average markup on a gallon of gas is about 35 cents. Now, some people are thinking, oh, so they make 35 cents of, no, that's the markup. When you take into account expenses, a retailer makes about a third of that in profit before taxes. Before taxes. Right before, so now we're talking about like between 10 to 15 cents, right? Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 cents per gallon is what the retailer is making before taxes. So this kind of begs the question, how much does the government take in taxes? Let me take a guess. Go ahead. More than the retailer. Oh my gosh. No, actually it's more like five to eight times more wow. than the retailer. It has always blown my mind yeah. that the government will take a larger profit of, you know, sale on a gallon of gas than the actual individual selling it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is you'll have some people come in and say, oh, yeah, well, we we know the mom and pop retail shop doesn't do it. It's, it's Exxon. It's mobile. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are they making $2 a gallon on gas profit? No, they're not. Right. Because they also have overhead. They also have expenses. They also have everything that they have to do in this process as well. It's not just that. Like, for the last, uh, I guess, 24 months, two, well, over 24 months, two years, Exxon wasn't making anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, here's the thing that I love. Um, so it wasn't just Elizabeth Warren that was saying this stuff. I actually have a tweet from Nancy Pelosi that she put out just a few, like literally three days ago, where she was like, gas prices are driving inflation is, first off, that's Wrong. a whole nother, yeah. that's a whole nother discussion. In incorrect. But no, okay. inflation is driving gas prices yeah, more yeah. than anything else. Not the <laughs> other way around. If you'd like to learn but, more about that, listen to our last episode. Yeah, yeah that's true. What was the title of check that? Check out the, the Fed. And, and, and check out the Y Minutes and check out our last right. episode um, about the Fed and inflation. Um, uh, the the um, episode before, it was actually two episodes ago. Two episodes yeah, The ago. Fed, inflation, um, and what to do about it, June yes. 9th. Um, so Pelosi goes on to say, you know, gas prices are driving inflation. A whole nother discussion as oil companies are raking in record profits from price gouging families. Yeah. And then she she talked about how we had this bill to do this and that and Republicans all voted no on it. So I actually decided to dig into, OK, record profits. OK, yeah. so um, here's how much revenue in the uh, trailing 12 months ExxonMobil brought in. Um, as of this quarter, um, as of uh, June 2020, or sorry, um, June 2022, ExxonMobil brought in this. This is this is revenue. This is before expenses are yeah. paid. This is before taxes. Before anything else, this yeah. is just money that they're bringing in. This is not profit. This, this is, is not revenue. profit. This yeah. is revenue. Three hundred sixteen billion dollars trailing twelve months. 
Um, so what were they bringing in in June 2012 in the past trailing 12 months? Well, they were bringing in $498 billion. Yeah. Last time I checked, 498 is a larger number than 316. <laughs> in you, fact, it's does even, Elizabeth Warren know this? It's even larger when you take into account 10 years worth of inflation. But you know what? That that's fine. That might be an outlier. Um, so let's take a look at Chevron, the other, you know, one of the other largest oil and gas companies in the United States. Trailing 12 months revenue, uh, $184 billion. What about June 2012? Uh, June 2012. Trailing 12 months revenue, $247 billion. Last I checked, $247 billion is a little bit larger than $184 billion. Well, and this goes, real quick, I, I want to point something out. This goes into a very important question you have to ask whenever a politician looks at something in the private sector and says, they're making record profits. What are they comparing it to? Are, are they comparing it to, like, this, this is the most they've ever made within the entire existence of their company? Is it the most within the last 30 years? Is it the most within the last two years? Because quite frankly, if you're talking about record profits compared to last year, oh, you mean when you shut down the economy and no one was allowed to go anywhere? It's like the jobs report. Oh thing. my, yeah, like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna send everyone home, we're gonna destroy a bunch of jobs, and we're gonna open back the economy, and when a bunch of people go back to work, we're gonna go, wow, look at all the jobs we created. Incredible. It's the same concept. Right? And, and the bottom line is, it's not like Elizabeth Warren is an idiot. No. I, I think she's wrong, but I don't think she's an idiot. Oh, and she for knows. She knows this is inaccurate. This is a deliberate misinformation campaign because oh. they've done such a good job of demonizing oil companies. And look, I'm not here defending oil companies. I'm defending the free market. I'm defending logic and right. reason and math. And you don't get to say record profits when you're comparing it to two years where you basically shut down the economy. I wonder so, if Nancy Pelosi owns any oil companies. No, but stocks. she did She did buy a ton of call options in Apple and Microsoft, and those are down like 60% now. Um, so I suppose that's one good news. It, <laughs> I mean, she's lost a whole lot more money than I have lately. But uh, by the way, for those at home who might be thinking that like, oh, Christian is cherry picking the stats. He's talking about revenue, not net income. So here's net income. Net income for Chevron, uh, trailing 12 months, is $20 billion. In June 20, uh, 2012, it was $26 billion. So it, I, like, like not even just looking at revenue, because Chevron has probably been able to cut some of their expenses over the past sure. 10 years. Even then, they've still made less in the trailing 12 months as of right now than they did trailing 12 months 10 years ago. Hmm. So the question is, why are gas prices $5 a gallon now, and they weren't $5 a gallon twelve or um, 10 years ago? Is it... I mean, what was, was Chevron not greedy 10 years ago and right. just suddenly they're greedy now? Here's a question. When gas was 150 a gallon in April or May 20 or June 2020, I mean, was Chevron just not greedy? Were they like super generous? Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. no, it's because the economy was, as Nick said, the economy was shut down. And quite frankly, this is the thing I don't understand. When, when people say that like, oh, corporations are greedy. In a sense, they're actually right insofar as a corporation's job is to bring in revenue and return it to their shareholders. Yeah. That, that is their responsibility. And, and by the way, the same people that are getting upset about Exxon making record profits, which they're not making record profits, yeah. but the same people that are upset about that, many of those people actually have ExxonMobil in their portfolios, either mm. directly or indirectly through their 401ks. Yeah. So when ExxonMobil, oh, they're returning all this money to their shareholders. Oh, you mean you, the pension holder? <laughs> 
Like that's yeah. the whole reason that pensions buy Exxon is because yeah. they're cash flow dividend generating machine. Yeah. But but more importantly, if ExxonMobil could have gotten away with five dollar a gallon gas in 2020, they would have done it. Yeah. yeah. They would have done it because they're in the business of making money. They couldn't get away with it. So what is so radically different between now and two years ago or between now and 10 years ago? Well, and, and they're also they're also and they, they always do this with the whole price gouging and greed, right? They're they're using the terms greed and self-interested as if they're synonymous terms. Like greed is essentially, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I need to do to get what I want, regardless of how it affects other people. Right. That, that's more like self-interest is I'm, I'm interested in my own interests, right? Like right. everybody has that. When, when a worker gets a pay raise, we don't say, Oh, they're, they're price gouging the company because they want more money for what they're doing. We don't say that they want to get the most they possibly can for the labor that they do. An employer wants to get the most that they possibly can with paying the lowest amount of cost. A consumer that goes to the store wants to pay the lowest price for the best quality food. Like that is how the economy right. works. And to chalk all of that up as if as all of those things are greed is wrong. It doesn't make any sense. Like for instance, I bet Elizabeth Warren wants to get all the votes. Does that make her greedy? Like why shouldn't her opponent get more of the votes? Right? No, it doesn't make a good. It, this is all about how do you actually go? What is the process that you use to go about getting the thing that you want? And if the process that you use is bringing value to other people, that's a positive incentive. Yeah. If the process you use is deliberately lying to people or manipulating them in order to get what you want, that's wrong and arguably greedy. So when Elizabeth Warren is lying to all of us, about what is causing the prices in order to put herself in a better position to get more votes. Who's the greedy one? That's a lot more greedy, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? And and here's what, again, there's another thing I want to go into here because Christian's right. I mean, he laid out the numbers, and it's one of those, like, brass tax things. It's like, mm -hmm. if it was true, then the numbers would reflect that oil companies are making more now than they have ever made in their history. But what's interesting is when you look at it, you look at the 2021 numbers. Go ahead and scroll up here. So yeah, 2021 net income, ExxonMobil, 23 billion, Shell, 19 billion, Chevron Corp, 16 billion. We're all looking at that as like net income, like, wow, that's a lot. All right. Now, again, keep in mind, they they literally employ hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people altogether right? sure. across the world. And they provide a service that pretty much all of us use on, on some way, shape, or form. Now go down. Scroll down here a little bit. All right, go up there a little bit. Okay, now, 2020. Let's look at what they were making there. They had minus 22 billion. All right, Shell was the only one in the black at 5 billion. Chevron Corp, minus 6. BP North America, minus 6. ConocoPhillips, minus 3 billion. Right, so they were losing billions of dollars in 2020. It got to the point where some of them, they weren't refining oil because they couldn't even sell it at the rate they needed to in order to cover their basic costs. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was so. If you so want to compare this year to last year, or twenty twenty one to twenty twenty, mm -hmm. well, then yeah, you go. Oh, it's record compared to the year that we shut down the economy. So that's one factor, right? Or whenever they whenever they say record profits, always ask what time frame are they looking at, and are they being intellectually honest with the numbers that they're using? But here's the other thing that needs to be taken into consideration because they've all said the same thing, right? Oil prices are driving inflation. No, inflation is largely mm -hmm. driving oil prices because. Again, we we discussed this so many times uh, on this on the show, but when you print, when you just arbitrarily print more dollars, right? It it weakens the value of the individual dollar. And so prices go up. Now, if the price of oil goes up, that has a much bigger effect than say the price of tomatoes going up. And the reason why is because while we use a lot of tomatoes, 
Oil is used in not only a bunch of consumer products, it's also used to get everything to market, right? So increased transportation costs result in increased costs on all the consumer goods that needed to be transported. So yes, it, what it does is rising gas prices causes a general rise in prices for all the things that rely on gas or oil yeah. to be able to get somewhere. But if you've inflated the currency, the inflation is driving it, not the gas prices, Right, and that is a fundamental you know, misrepresentation of what is going on because, yes, inflation is driving higher gas prices, which is causing a lot of other things to go up as well, to, not to mention the end the products themselves. So when they tell you this, again, keep that in mind. They're, they're not being honest about what is causing what. They're, they're deliberately lying about what is causing what because if it's inflation, it's their fault. If it's just gas prices arbitrarily going up, it makes it easier for them to make you think that it's, it's evil gas companies. It's, it's their fault. It's oil companies. I'm sorry. It just, it doesn't weigh out based off of how things are happening, the order in which things are happening. It, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. So I've, I've got a brief question actually. It, it, cause like I, I, I think I know why this is going on and why gas prices are through the roof and why, I mean, and why inflation is through the roof, but I don't think that the average person the average person might, in a sense, know what is causing inflation, although I think there's also a lot of people that don't. Sure. But we've discussed that before in the episode. But I I don't think the average person, for example, the the Uber driver that you were talking to, yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there that they'll say, oh, it's because of greed or it's because of this or that because they don't – it just – it seems – superficially plausible. Yeah. So how do you explain two, two, two questions? First, how do you ex explain what the problem is? And second off, once you know what the problem is, what good does that do you, the Uber driver that's driving around paying yeah. like, even if you know what the problem is, that doesn't change the fact that you're getting, well, let, let's, let's, let's look at it this way. When I first flew into the airport, I was flying into the price to get an Uber. When my plane hit the ground was $19 to go from the airport to my hotel. By the time I got out and got to where it was going, it was 32. Now, could I get in that car, look at that Uber driver and be like, I can't believe you're price gouging me. And what would he say? He's like, you got to understand. He goes, I got to pay for gas. I got to pay for maintenance on my mm -hmm. car. I've got to sit in traffic all day long. The supply right? there's, of cars might have gone the down. Supply, there's a ton of people. We just had 12 planes land and there's a ton of people that want an Uber right now. And the way we determine which one should get it is, are, are you willing to pay more than this person? Mm -hmm. And if you are, why wouldn't I give you prior? If this person wants to pay me 32 and you only want to pay me 19, wh who would you drive? Mm -hmm. And you know what? All that would make perfect sense. And nothing about that would make that Uber driver greedy. So the real question to your point, so that, that's one of the ways that we, I think we have to explain it to people is just by putting it in terms that we can understand within our own lives and our own decisions that we make. Right? And we don't make them because we're, we don't make it because we want to hurt the other person. We want the most value for our labor and our product that we can get. And that makes sense. Now, the question is, is why even bother explaining it? Right? Because what can the Uber driver do about it? Right? They can't, they can't cause the price of gas to go down. Well, this goes back to why are we in this position in the first place? And there's another article here. Um, let's go to the one with, uh, let me see, is it that one? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go to that one. And this has to do with why Biden energy policies have contributed to surging oil prices. And there's some interesting facts in here that, that address a couple of different things. Um, there was another article that talked about this as well. When, when Biden was running for office, and we, we have a tweet for that. Go, actually, go back, to the, go back to the tweet real quick. 
Okay, so here's Joe Biden saying in 2020, no more drilling on federal lands, no more drilling, including offshore, no ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. He ran on this policy. All right, now, going back to the other article, what you're also going to find is that the people that he appointed to positions of authority that regulate the oil industry in the United States have been advocating for higher fees, you know, fewer refineries, more lockdowns. And the reason why they want to do this is because they have a green energy agenda. And one of the ways that you can push people toward the green, one of the ways that your government can compel you to do things you wouldn't otherwise do is by making it expensive mm -hmm. to do the thing that you want to do. And they leave you with fewer options. He had a deliberate policy of doing this. And a lot of people looked at it as like, oh, he just wants to protect the environment. Okay, and protecting the environment the way he wants to do it, right? Because there's a lot of different ways you can protect the environment. There's a lot of different ways that you can encourage green energy. But the way he wanted to do it was by putting us in a situation where we couldn't create as much domestic oil. So we were more dependent on foreign oil. Where does most of our foreign oil come from? Well, it generally comes from three places. It comes from Mexico. It comes from the Middle East and oil producing the OPEC, right? And then the other one that's interesting, it's not a, it's not a huge part of our oil. I think it was like 3% of our, our domestic oil imports. He doubled it, right, was Russia. Okay, so now you've made the United States, depend in, in, in order to push your green energy, you've cut down things like the Keystone Pipeline. You've made it harder for domestic oil producers. You've made it harder for domestic oil refinery. But we still need the oil, so now we have to go overseas to get it. And a lot of times, what are we feeling when we do that? Well, we're going to dictatorships that violently oppress their people or perhaps invade neighboring countries. Or they just hate us. Or they just hate us, right? And almost all the ones that you're forcing to go to are state-owned, so they're government-owned entities. It's not, this is not mean Chevron. This is a government-owned entity that you're forcing us to buy our oil from. So you've, you've deliberately cost oil prices to go up on the American public. And then you want to come back and say, well, our oil companies are price gouging. If you increase the taxes, if you increase the regulations, if you force us to go overseas and buy oil that's more expensive than we could produce domestically, because we're getting to the point where we could actually produce oil in the United States domestically cheaper than we could get it from some of these other places. If you do all of those things, you don't get to come back and say, well, oil prices must be going up because of greedy corporations. Politicians create a problem yes. and present themselves as a solution. What is the – there's a quote from I think the guy was Harry Brown who said the, the government will break your legs – hand you a pair of crutches, and then tell you, see, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't be able to walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you see this, I think, in the oil and gas question, probably more than anything else, but you see it all the time. Yeah. You see it all the time. But but no place do you see it more than in this, que um, th th this question. Because I remember three, four years ago, it was like the summer of 2018, when gas prices were like 360 a gallon. And I remember Chuck Schumer standing in front of, I believe it was actually an ExxonMobil station yeah. with his podium and everything, all of his people behind him, all the cameras, all the all the, the reporters and everything. And he was sitting there pounding the table and saying, Donald Trump is responsible for high gas prices. Yeah. Why isn't he doing anything to cut gas prices? It was all politics. It's yeah. all this is this is what makes people hate politics yes. is the raw demagoguery, like, like the, the brazen demagoguery from these people. And by the way, Republicans do it, too. There's yeah. plenty of examples. There's plenty yeah. of examples, yeah. but not on this issue. This issue is almost exclusively the party that campaigns in Democratic primaries and goes on the debate stage 
and says things like, hell yeah, we're going to cut uh, production. Of course, we're going to cut the number of oil and gas jobs. We're going to we're going to drastically reduce this stuff. I remember John Kerry this this past week was saying we absolutely don't need to increase production. He's still saying it. Yeah. But Democrats and he can get away with saying it because he's not an elected official right now, whereas Joe Biden needs to act like he's actually trying to do something. But I remember when Joe Biden was running for president in the Democratic primaries and he was going on the debate stage and saying all this stuff to appease his base. And now that he's in office and this is going on, he's trying to blame somebody else for it. And it's just, again, like I said, this is what makes people hate politics so yeah, much is the raw demagoguery. Yeah. And, when, and they get away with it. I mean, that's the amazing part. Now, one thing I will say now is I, th I think it is lasting long enough and it is hurting people in a way that they're like, I, no, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Um, but it, again, it's some of these arguments that they're making when people are hurting and they're and the bottom line is they're too busy to go through and do all this research, right? They've got a job to do. They got kids to raise. They got a business to run. They got all these other things. And they're just looking for somebody to give them an honest answer on what is going on. And, and these politicians that they might like for other reasons are coming in and saying price gouging, greedy corporations, et cetera. And, and again, it sounds superficially plausible. There's one other thing I wanted to point out here. Um, and, and that is the way when they talk about price gouging, because this is one where they, they hammered Thomas Massey and others. They said, oh, Republicans are talking about high gas, gas prices, but then they voted against our price gouging bill. This sounds plausible to people that are looking at this going, well, yeah, why would you be in favor of price gouging? Nobody's in favor of price gouging. Okay, but when the same politicians that have caused your oil prices, your gas prices to go up as a result of higher regulations, higher taxes, fees, fines, a policy which doesn't allow you to drill or refine oil, when they've caused all of that to go up, okay? And then you have other factors like inflation, like disruption in the oil supply, when you have other factors that come into that. And then they come in and say, well, it's the oil company's fault. They're price gouging you. Well, okay, are, are they price gouging? Or are they responding to supply and demand issues within the marketplace. By the way, a lot of those supply issues are ones that have been created by the same government officials that are accusing them of price gouging. And one of the most common things that they use, along when they talk about um, record profits, right? So we already talked about it. Be very careful when they say record profits because you don't know what time frame they're doing it. right? If it's record compared to last month, that doesn't tell us much. But here's the other way that they end up manipulating the data on this. If, if I have to buy the oil right now, if the oil is $80 a barrel, now, most people would think I sell it at the profit margin that I, I typically would for $80 a barrel based off of what I can get on the open market. And, and yeah, you want to get as much for your or you want to get as much for your product as you possibly can within the market. Everybody does. It's not just oil. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. People want to get the most they can for their celery, right? Or their tomatoes or their steak or whatever else or their car. If I, but I also have to take into account another factor. It's not just what's the most I can sell for. It's also what is it going to cost me to replenish my mm -hmm. stock in a month? So if it's $80 a barrel today, but I think it's going to go up to 120, I can't sell you the gas or the oil or whatnot based off of, you know, my, my typical margin for what I bought it at right now. I have to sell it to you based off of what I think it's going to be in the future based off of what's going on in the marketplace. Right. Otherwise you can't replenish. Otherwise I can't replenish. And then you have no supply, right? Cause I don't got enough money to buy it back. Then you have shortages. And so, but once again, if I take a snapshot in time and I say, Oh, they bought it at $80 a barrel. And usually they get this profit for $80 a barrel, but now they're getting this profit for $80 mm -hmm. a barrel. That's price gouging. No, it isn't. It's them anticipating what the cost of future supply is going to be. 
That's what entrepreneurs do. Entrepreneurs look at supply and demand issues, existing resources, and then they make predictions on what it's going to cost in order to try to buy it at the best possible price for them so they can sell it at the best possible price. And the best possible price is not set by some greedy corporate board. Price is set by consumer demand. Mm -hmm. That is ultimately what it is set by. The number of people in the marketplace that want to buy your product at that price. That has more effect on the price than anything else that politicians are telling you. Talk to us a little bit about what the relationship OPEC has to prices for, for so, oil. So OPEC is essentially, a, it's a cartel. Um, so what OPEC does is you got a bunch of you know oil producing countries that are a member of this cartel. And they have agreements with respect to how many barrels they're going to produce and what they're going to sell into the marketplace. So that sort of cartelization is actually like illegal in, in some countries, right? Right. Like we, we have laws against cartelization and whatnot. And, and some of those laws are ridiculous. And some of them, you know, they, they have good intentions. But that's what's going on. So you got a bunch of countries over there. And the reason why they have such power is that OPEC produces about 50% of the world's oil supply. Now, that doesn't mean they possess 50% mm -hmm. of the world's oil supply. Right. Like the United States, Siberia, there's other places where there's arguably more oil reserves. The difference is, is that it's more expensive to get it from Siberia than it is to get it from Saudi Arabia. So I, I'm not going to I'm not going to buy Siberian oil if I can buy Saudi oil right. for a, a significantly cheaper port. So what they can do, though, is that because those are state owned. Right. Because these are essentially governments controlling this. They can turn on the gas and they can turn off the gas when they want. And that causes fluctuations within the oil market. It's one of the reasons why um, when Joe Biden essentially started to really fight against domestic oil production in the United States, and all of a sudden we have rising gas prices because, again, he's restricting, he's artificially restricting supply. He has to go over to Saudi Arabia with his hat in his hand and beg them to produce more oil. Now, what's interesting is like when Iraq and I think a couple other countries said that they would up their oil production, it had a it had a quick effect on the overall price of oil. I think the price of uh, per barrel went down like $22, like relatively quickly. And, and this is the other factor that's important to take in mind, because sometimes I, I've seen people on the left come forward and say, you know, you're accusing the Democrats of doing all these new taxes and regulations. But, you know, a lot of this stuff has been held up in the Senate. They haven't been able to pass. Yeah, through the legislature, they haven't. But they've been able to do stuff through executive order, like shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, right? They, they've been able to do other things where, again, and this is the other part where you have to look at the entrepreneurial function within the economy. So I want you to say that you're starting a business. Let's not even call it oil. You're just starting a new business. You're going to sell widgets. And the government comes out and says, we're going to increase the cost of selling widgets because we think your widget is bad mm -hmm. for the environment. Your widget is not in line with our administration's agenda. So we're recommending that we increase the fines or the fees associated with starting a widget factory by 30%. All right, they haven't done it yet. They've recommended it as policy. You're an entrepreneur. You've got to decide where to invest your money. Are you going to invest it in buying a widget factory that might be 30% more expensive tomorrow? No. So what happens to the overall supply of widgets? It goes down. What happens if the demand for widgets stays the same or increases? The price goes up. Mm. Because now I have less capacity and the same or more demand. That is what this administration did at the same time that them and Trump. This is, not, this is another thing that is different about this show. Because Christian articulated how mad people are with like just blatant demagoguery. All right, look, I, I, I support, supported Trump, voted for Trump. I think Trump did a lot of good things. I did not agree with Trump's monetary policy. No, We printed a lot of money during the Trump administration. 
And it's interesting because it's the one thing Democrats don't go after Trump on, which would actually be a legitimate critique because they want to do it too. That needs to be the topic of a future episode, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I agree. Because they want to do it too. But they're so, again, between inflation, between um, restrictions, regulations, supply, taxes, fines, fees, all of that has significantly contributed to rising gas prices. And they're coming back and they're telling you it's greed. Mm-hmm. Well, how convenient it is to believe that? And, and Thomas Sowell has this line that I love. He goes, if you really think it's greed that drives everything, okay, great. Go sit on your couch and think greedy thoughts and see how wealthy you become. Well, like I said near the beginning of this episode, like if Exxon could have gotten away with $5 a gallon gas in April 2020, they would have done it. Yeah. yeah. That's a great they, point. They're not more greedy now than they were two years ago. Yeah. I got a question. So if we did open up the Keystone Pipeline and yeah. increase the supply of oil here in the States— would the problem of inflation be less? So, okay, you got to look at how we put that. First of all, and again, a big critique of the Keystone Pipeline was, well, a lot of this oil is even going to you know domestic markets. It's going to international markets. And that just tells you that whoever's saying that doesn't understand how internationally traded commodities work sure. of this nature, right? So if, if the oil is um, goes into the international market, that brings down the overall cost per barrel. And that ends up affecting your domestic market, even if the oil that went into the market didn't directly go into your gas station down the street. It still affects the overall cost per barrel, all right? So that that lowers costs. When we say, will it help with inflation? No, because inflation is a monetary phenomenon. So this is one of the things that's really important to remember. There's a difference between inflation and rising prices. Prices can rise without any inflation. Right? Prices right. could rise with deflation. Yeah, prices can rise with deflation. Prices are determined by supply and demand. Inflation is when the government is is when you have a, a an influx of new currency into mm-hmm. the marketplace, which makes the individual value of each unit of that currency okay. less valuable. So that's going to cause rising prices, right? But we're okay. Let me put it this way. Um, Inflation is a monetary phenomenon, and it always leads on on some level for prices to be higher than they otherwise would because what it's attacking is the very unit of currency itself. Mm. You can have rising prices in the marketplace all the time based off of supply and demand issues that have nothing to do with your currency. So if, for instance, if I'm going and I'm buying, if I want to go buy coffee, and it turns out there was a massive fire in Colombia or a flood, and it wiped out a, a ton of coffee bean fields. Well, now there's fewer coffee beans, but the demand is the same. So the price is going to go up. That has nothing to do with inflation from a monetary perspective. That's just kind of like general rising prices. And a lot of people use the term uh, inflation and rising prices kind of synonymously. Or they'll say that inflation is, they've kind of, in some ways, defined inflation now as a general increase in in the rise of prices. Mm -hmm. Well, that usually only happens if you're engaging in inflationary monetary policy. So that's the distinction. What's the bigger culprit for rising prices, inflation or a lack of supply with of oil, I'd say. Oh, man, that's actually a I think close one. I think it's both. I mean, it, it's definitely both. I don't know what to tell you as far as what's higher right now. I, if we increased, so the only way to stop inflation is we have to stop printing more dollars, and we actually have to have interest rates go to where they should be based off of market forces as opposed to arbitrary federal de- or decisions by the Fed. Mm-hmm. Um, the way to lower gas prices right now, too, from a, a federal perspective, is um, start opening up more leases for drilling. Um, remove some of the the barriers to entry in order mm-hmm. to engage in refinery uh, and actually making gasoline out of oil. Like so, in in both cases, 
inflation and just rising prices because of restricted supply. Both of them are caused by the government. Yeah. And both of them would include the government doing the opposite of what it's currently doing. There's actually a, another solution that I, and I know that we're probably very close to the end of the episode, but I, I, I wanted to bring up briefly something that's happened in Virginia and in other States, but it's yeah. become a big issue in Virginia with a, Two, three years ago, I can't remember the exact time, after the Democrats took over the state legislature and had a trifecta for two years, um, they raised the gas tax in Virginia. And now that we have a Republican governor and a Republican House, but we still have a Democratic Senate here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and gas prices are, I mean, higher than I've ever seen, or at least as long as I've been driving, um, there's been discussion about trying to cut the gas tax, mm -hmm. at least back down to the level it was before Democrats raised it in 2019, I think, or 2020. Yeah. Um, but Democrats are opposed to that. Yeah. I wanted you to talk about that briefly, about what's going on with that debate, because that is also something that, quite frankly, could be done to at least temporarily lower gas prices is, quite frankly, tax it a little bit less. Yeah. Again, it's one of those you have to look at all the factors that goes into cost of production and cost of, of like producing something. Right. So. Taxes are one of those costs. Before I before I even get into a business or I think about when I'm going to sell you or what the price for that thing is going to be, I have to incorporate the taxes I'm going to have to pay on into that. So if the taxes go out of it, well, now I don't have to charge the same amount in order to get in the marketplace. Now, Democrats came forward and say, well, there's no guarantee that they're going to lower gas prices. If you, You're technically correct. There's no mm -hmm. guarantee. However, if everybody in the Commonwealth of Virginia, everybody who has one of those shops that's selling you gas now has to pay significantly less. Well, then if I, if I want to, if you, if you keep your prices the same, but I lower mine to like a corresponding level or a partial level with that overall tax cut, well, where are you going to go get gas? You're going to get gas at my gas station. Yeah. So there's a natural competitive drive to lower the price to what the market will bear. Um, and, and again, if the market will bear a lower price than what you're charging, then people are going to look for your, they're going to look to go to your competition instead of you. Um, so that's one of the ways that you can have a, a, a fairly quick effect on the overall price uh, at the pump. Um, but again, that, that's attacking the that's that's attacking the um, government costs associated to the, with the supply. Um, and there's there's just a lot of stuff we need to do on that level. The Democrats are not willing to do because they always look at the it's the whole never let a crisis go to waste. They see this as a huge opportunity to do a reset with the economy. There's Democrats that have like come right out and talked about wanting to nationalize oil as if putting the government in charge of oil is going to make it like overall more effective, more efficient or or, or cheaper. It just typically doesn't do that on, on a large scale because they end up subsidizing it. And even when they bring down your price in one area, they're essentially raising your taxes over here. And so you pay less at the pump. Maybe for some, they'll say, oh, look, see, we brought down gas price. Yeah, but you increased my costs over here, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's one of the things that we could do right now that would be like immediate relief, especially during the summertime when gas prices tend to go up because people travel yeah. more. Um, but Well, and the Democrats want to give people a... a I, I, what was the proposal they, that Dillacorn oh, put out? Gosh. They wanted to give people free money. They wanted to give everybody just a $50 check. And we said, okay, you're not actually addressing the need. And in fact, that, that's the wrong sort of policy because there, there's a particular industry that the government has gone out of its way to punish and restrict. And we're trying to relieve some of those restrictions so that industry can work under, under normal conditions instead of adversarial ones. And your solution is, well, let's not do that. Let's just hand everyone a $50 check. 
Yeah, because okay, that goes a long way. You're not actually addressing the fundamental problem here. That's not even the issue, that it doesn't go a long way. You know what the real problem with that proposal is? It's more inflation. It's more inflation. Yeah, it is. How, how, how on earth could you have lived through the last two years of your life and been handed $1,400 check after $1,400 check and not put two and two together and realize that part of the reason that we have 8.6% 8 inflation is because the federal government printed trillions, well, Federal Reserve actually, yeah. printed trillions of dollars, and the federal government, they, they printed $5 trillion and they bribed you with $1,400 checks, and now inflation is 8.5%. And I guarantee you, the amount of money that you've been spending on a whole bunch of things is a whole lot more than $1,400. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's 16 cents you saved on your 4th of July, you know, okay. barbecue <laughs> last year. forgot about that. Yeah, I'm, wait I'm waiting for an update on that for this 4th of July. It just, it just blows. Yeah. Like, it, like, it has to be demagoguery. Yeah. Because, like, how, how could you be so consistently wrong over and over and over again and yet still propose the same policy over and over? I just, I don't get it. It's a whole other topic for another day. But it just blows my mind. Well, Nick, you know, give us the arguments we need to make. Make the argument for us. Sure. So here's the question. Why are gas prices so high? Now, again, we've already gone over. Elizabeth Warren will tell you it's greed. Uh, they'll tell you it's price gouging. They'll tell you that oil companies are making record profits, even though the numbers demonstrate that that is not factually. It's just not true. So what is? But gas prices are high. So what is doing it? Well, there's a couple of factors, right? The number One of the number one factors right now is inflation. Now, politicians want to tell you that inflation and prices going up are essentially the same thing. That's not really true. Inflation is generally a monetary phenomenon. What's going on is the government is printing a bunch of dollars, right? That doesn't mean that there's increased wealth. That doesn't mean any of it. They're printing a bunch of dollars without any increased production or wealth. And so the value of each one of your dollars is less. That causes prices to go up. So that's one of the things. So when Nancy Pelosi says that rising gas prices are leading to inflation, no, it's exactly opposite. Inflation is helping to lead to higher gas prices. So what's another factor? Well, as with all prices, it's about supply and demand. So if there's a lot of demand and there's not a lot of supply, prices go up. Well, here's a question. Why do we, do we have all the supply we could possibly have right now of gas? No, we do not. So why do we have less supply than we otherwise would? Government policy. Joe Biden campaigned in 2020 about no longer allowing drilling on federal land, shutting down offshore drilling, you know, moving toward a green economy. If you're going to implement those policies, which he's done in part by doing things like shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, and then some of it is just threatening those policies, which tells every entrepreneur or investor, don't invest in oil refinery production or more drilling within the United States because the administration won't allow it. You have artificially cut supply at a time when demand is going up. So what do you do about that? Well, Joe Biden's solution has been to go to OPEC, right, the Middle East, or to go to Russia. And then Russia invades the Ukraine and he feels morally obligated to cut our oil uh, purchases from Russia. You have more supply shortages. So everything this administration has done has actually served to limit supply while demand is higher. And whenever you do that, you're going to get higher prices. So how do we get out of this? Well, the first things first is you have to understand what's actually driving it, right? And the, that's the two major things. It's the government pushing inflation and the government artificially restricting supply of you getting the thing you want. So we have to actually elect people with the sort of policies that understand what is driving high gas prices right now. And any politician that is coming forward saying, just go buy a green car or a green energy car, I'm sorry, that's not someone that has your best interest in mind. 
You need to be looking for the people that are not trying to blame everyone else. You need to be looking for the people that are saying, okay, look, we realize that all prices are tied to supply and demand. We have to cut inflation and we have to cut all the things standing in the way. That's the taxes, fees, fines, regulations, right? And rhetoric, quite frankly, coming from this administration that is deliberately causing people to not open more refineries. And for this administration to stand up and say, I want these companies to do the patriotic thing and lower prices. Okay, how about you do the patriotic thing, Biden administration, and get out of the way that are trying to produce the things that Americans need and want to be able to survive and thrive. How about you do that before you lecture anybody else? Because the government is the number one factor in why gas prices have gone up and they can be the solution, but the solution is not what they're telling you because what they're telling you is what they need is more power. They need more control over the regulatory markets. They need more control over taxes. They need to be able to punish these companies. They are shifting the blame for what they have done onto other people and then asking you to give them more power in order to fix it. Ladies and gentlemen, them having the amount of power they already do is what got us into this problem. Giving them more will make it worse, not better. I loved that ending right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I will say this. We touched on a lot of things today, and, and this is a slightly shorter episode than usual, but we touched on a lot of things today that, quite frankly, I feel like that might end up being brought up again in a future episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Well, and, and there's some things we didn't even get a chance to get to today, but I, I just want to say, if, if you want to if you want to combat some of the things, you know, like resources for this, yeah. um, Thomas Sowell has some great articles. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> Thomas Sowell has some great <laughs> wow. arguments on, on gas prices. He also has some great arguments on price gouging. Because again, this is a this is a politically loaded term which uh, has been manipulated, and and I'll give you one I'll give you one quick example of how the government uses price gouging to actually hurt people. So when Louisiana flooded, um, and you had all these people that were hurting, and people were trying to buy generators, and people were trying to get to hotels, well, the government was coming in and punishing hotels because they were raising their prices. Um, and then you had people in Tennessee that were going to their local Lowe's or Home Depot, buying up all the generators and then driving them down and selling them for like twice as much down in Louisiana. And the government came in and said, this is bad. So they confiscated the generators. Now, did they then get them out to people that needed them? No, they kept them in a warehouse, right? The bottom line is, is that when there is, when there is a increase in demand and there's less supply, one of the ways that we get more supply is when prices go up, more people are incentivized to get into a market that they never otherwise mm -hmm. would have gotten into. Not to mention the fact that you look at something like a hotel, and I realize that we look at this and it seems like greedy and mean-spirited. And, and, and maybe on some level that was the motivation of the person, but if you've got a hotel with 100 rooms and you've got, um, you've got 100 families that are coming in and, and trying to get a room, but one family is, but you keep your prices the same, right? Let's say it's a hundred bucks a night. And one family comes in and says, okay, well, we're going to get a room for my husband and my wife. And we're going to get a room for our two kids. Yeah. Well, now if the price is 150 bucks a night, you're like, Ooh, okay. We're, we're all going to, we're all just going to suck it up. And we're going to sleep in the same room. You know what you just did? You, you open another, you room open up another else. room for a family that wouldn't have existed if your prices stayed the same. Now that might not have been your attention, but it is the practical, it's the, it's the practical result when you allow prices to fluctuate with, with rising demand. And, and I'm not saying it always produces wonderful results, but I'm saying that if you don't take that into consideration, you're not fully understanding the, the role that prices play mm -hmm. as a signal within the economy to encourage more people to produce something that is desperately needed, right? So when these politicians talk about this, they are literally like getting it wrong on so many levels. Thomas Sold does a great job of talking about that. Uh, NACS, 
uh, was was some of the articles that we're reading today. I thought they did a pretty good job talking about yeah. you know kind of the breakdown between taxes and and what um, you know convenience stores generally get for selling oil. Foundation for Economic Freedom has some really good um, articles on this as well. Also, if you kind of want to be able to combat some of the the green energy stuff that comes into this, because again, I have no problem with green energy. I have a problem with government subsidization and control of green energy. But uh, Alex Epstein, um, he, he's not the bad Epstein, and and Bjorn Lomborg. <laughs> Um, they, they do some really good jobs talking about um, both the benefits of green energy and fossil fuels, but but talking about the proper way to to develop this, not a you know government centrally planned way. So those are just some resources um, for people to check out if they want to get more information. Good deal, cool. I like this episode. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, we need to do it again sometime. Let's make, <laughs> Christian. Let's make sure we put the Y minute links uh, on inflation that we discussed in the description. Um, and the Fed episode that we did two episodes. Oh yeah! So. If you haven't watched, um, you know, for for those that are, are are still tuning in, if you haven't watched our episode on the Fed and inflation yeah. that we put out just recently, go ahead and watch that. That yeah. personally, that was one of my favorite episodes that we ever recorded. It it, ex- it explains a lot. And, and look, one of, one of the comments that we got on that that I really appreciated was he goes, "You know what? There's there's not a lot of he's, he goes. It's not like you guys are sitting around just bashing the other side on this stuff. You're actually providing specific information of." why these things work the way they do and the cause and effect component of this. Um, and, and good. I, I really appreciate that because that's what we're, that is honestly what we're trying to do. I know sometimes people say you're coming from a conservative or, 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 or Liberty based perspective. And we absolutely are, but we do, we really make every attempt to be intellectually honest and truthful. We, we believe this because we believe it's true, not because it's our team. So anyways, I want to thank everyone for sticking with us. Hopefully you found this valuable. Please uh, like and share. Leave us comments. As you can tell, we do read the comments. And uh, we do get we also, we also do take uh, cues from the comments on things yeah. that you would like to see in the future. Um, also, if you get a chance, check out the Y Minutes because we have a lot of like three-minute episodes on there. A lot of things that we talk about here in depth. We kind of do some like good brief overviews and talk about it from an interesting perspective. And so, you know, we, we like those two things to be complementary. Sure. So if you don't got a lot of time, go to the Y Minutes. You go to the Y Minutes, you find something interesting, you want to see more of a deep dive come over here to the making the argument and we'll go through it once again thank you very much for joining us and we will see you next episode once again thank you very much for listening if you want to support the show again one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to goodranchers.com with promo code nick you're going to get 15 dollars off you sign up for one of those subscriptions and you're going to get up to 480 dollars of free meat with that subscription you get to pick top sirloin salmon chicken breast bacon it is all up to you plus if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for goodranchers.com also has gift boxes you need to act quick this is part of their overall black friday special So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.